Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Misaros with Success Harbor, and I have Graham Brown with me. Graham is an author, director, and founder of Mobile Youth and chairman and founder of the Youth Marketing Academy. Since witnessing the growth of youth media and technology, having lived in Japan in the early 90s, Graham, along with business partner Josh Dollywell, has helped grow Mobile Youth to serve over 250 clients in 60 countries worldwide. Names such as Vodafone, Nokia, Coke, McDonald's, Red Bull, Nike, the UK government, and the European Commission, just to mention a few. Graham is a regular public speaker and has presented at the 3GSM World Congress Barcelona and been interviewed on CNN, CNBC, BBC TV, and radio. His work was also featured in the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and The Guardian. In 2012, he sold everything to travel the world and become location independent. I'm very excited to have Graham on Success Harbor today. Welcome. Thank you, George. Thanks for the intro. Yeah, uh, thank you for being here, and I left a lot out. That You have a very impressive uh, CV, and I'm, I'm very, very impressed that you're here. I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I'd like us to uh, talk about location-independent entre- entrepreneurship in this interview. But before we get into that, can you tell me a bit about your business background? Right. Okay. So, well, like a lot of guys, I guess, listening to your show is that I wanted to set out on business to create a lifestyle that I wanted. I wanted the freedom. I wanted the choice and so on. So when I returned from Japan in the 90s, I started looking around for business ideas, and this was at the beginning of the dot-com era. So, you know, not really having many connections in the internet at the time or in business, the only way we could get into business was setting out designing websites. So, you know, that was my first business ostensibly back in the mid-90s. And, you know, we went at it. I set up a business doing the, the classic mistake setting up with a, a best friend, you know, designing mm-hmm. websites. And, you know, two years down the line, we fell out. You know, the business went under but it was a valuable learning experience for us. You know, I was left with debt, but, you know, I learned a lot. It's probably cheaper than taking an MBA, George, but, you know, at the end of the day, it was a great experience. So from that, I went into... Uh, Back then, you could charge a lot of money for websites, too. It was yeah. a different story in the early, mid-90s, you know, and you could charge 30000 50000 I mean, people were making some incredible money uh, building websites back then. Well, we have to remember as well, this is a time when you could pick up a phone and call somebody and say, hey, look, you know, I want to come and see you and talk to you about websites. And people would say, yeah, great, come over. You know, not only is it difficult to pick up a phone and book a meeting with somebody these days, but to actually get somebody to talk about a website, you know, you could speak to the CEO or the, you know, the head of IT or whatever directly. So it was a very different time. It was a great time to get your foot in the door. And that's ostensibly what, you know, we did. You know, at cost, mm-hmm. obviously, but I think you've got to do that. You've got to take those risks to get in, you know, even if you don't understand. I mean, it's like your point here on the, uh, your, your mission statement about, I don't know everything, but I'm open to ideas. I think you've got to go into those new businesses like that saying, well, I don't know, but the only way mm-hmm. I'm going to find out is to make mistakes. And you have to take action. And I, I think what really differentiates an entrepreneur from a entrepreneur <laughs> is that you take action and you're willing to fail right. and you're willing to accept that succeeding 
getting getting to a, a point where you want to be or 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 heading toward a, a direction where you want to be you have to be willing to fail yeah i think you have to be willing to start at the bottom as well as a part of that right and i think that's the position i put myself in is to go into this business knowing nothing and saying right i'm going to mm -hmm. make a a mistake and i'm going to fail but i'm going to learn something from it i mean around me i didn't have anybody in my family or network who was involved in this business or who understood business. So, you know, you're going in blind, but I think there's that sense of faith, right? And that's why mm -hmm. it's useful to have these kind of stories to relate to. You look around, I mean, like some of the entrepreneurs you've, you've interviewed, that's mm -hmm. why you need those stories because otherwise you think you're, you're going crazy doing these kind of things. And people tell you that, right? But you can look around and see somebody else has done something like this and you think, right, okay, maybe it's possible. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree totally, especially if you're not coming from an environment. I mean, there are some, some people that are fortunate enough to grow up in, a, in an environment where the parents are entrepreneurs, and uh, it's a very different environment when, you know, you grew up with parents that, that don't have that, um, you know, and nothing against people that don't own a business. It's just, you know, it's just a lot harder that way. So... So what happened after uh, after uh, the web business kind of um, you know didn't work out with the partnership? Where where did you go next? Right. So that was the point where everyone started saying, right, okay, you've had your fun now, go and get a proper job. But I think after two years of working for yourself, it it mentally I think you burned the bridges. So I was thinking I can't go back. I can't go and work in a company now. So from that business. We had created a network of relationships, people in IT, people in telecoms. And at the time, talking about late 90s, the telecoms business was really taking off. And obviously, I'd lived in Japan at the time. I'd seen how telecoms, mobile telecoms specifically, had really exploded. So I'd seen how young people were using mobile phones. And now I had a network. You know, I was able to get the ears of people at companies like Nokia or companies like Vodafone. So we started... I went into business with uh, guys from the industry and we started organizing events because it was the only way that we knew to really create value in that new growing sector. So we started creating networking events and from that we found that people wanted you know, information, research. So we started supplying them information and research gathered from the people that came from events and that became our business model. So you know, what happened was, was we built a network of several thousand people, people in the telecoms industry and started organizing these network events and then started selling reports and research based on the kind of things that they really needed data on. So in a way, you know, that was the business model created by the market telling us what they wanted rather than going in with an idea of saying, right, I'm going to create this, which is, I guess, about face in some instances is how people set up their businesses. But, you know, it's a great way if you don't know the industry that well. So back then, what, what told you that this was needed? Because I think that's a very important point because a lot of people are looking for ideas and, and the ideas are all around you. You know, if, if you keep your ears open and you're, you're sensitive to your environment. So what were some of the things that you saw and heard um, that you experienced that told you that, you know, this, this was something that, uh, that could be a business? Right. So if we back up a little bit before I started my web business, I was living in Japan, you know, after graduation, teaching English like a lot of people do. And 
from that, I saw how young people were using technology. You know, back then, people were marketing mobile cellular technology to executives. So, you know, it's aimed at road warriors. But it was their daughters that were buying these gadgets, right, and using them. So these little pocket bells, which are like these pages back in the day. And they were giving them to the the, the mobile companies were giving them to the the middle-aged men executives and their daughters were actually using these things and messaging with them. And I saw this firsthand and I thought, wow, this is a real missed opportunity. But I didn't get the chance of the internet business to use that. But when I managed to get into telecoms, I saw that people were really interested in the market and the consumer market, but they really had a gap. And I just had a gut feeling that this is what they'd be interested in, young people using mobile phones. So I think to answer your question, you've got to have the experience, but at the same time, you've got to have that sort of intuition that this is the right thing to do. And I think that's based on your background and your history. You know, why you? Why are you the right person to bring this to this market? And for me, it's because, you know, my experience with travel and culture and also my background in psychology. You know, I'm interested in behavior and how people use technology and so on and their emotions with that technology. And that is where the telecoms industry was going at the time. So I think it's about joining the dots. You know, why are you the right person to bring that product to that market? You know, there has to be some sort of background for you. You know, it goes way back, you know, that makes you the right person. Yeah, that 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 makes uh, makes sense. And so, how many years have you have you pursued this business? How how long did you uh, did you provide this kind of research uh, service about um, youth marketing, mobile youth marketing? Well, in total, just under thirteen years. So yeah, it's a long time. <laughs> That's a long time, yeah. especially in internet years. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lifetime, right? I think also you have to realize that businesses have their own life cycles, right? And, you know, there's a time to move on. It's a bit like relationships sometimes, right? You know, there's a time to move on if things aren't, you know, working out or things or industries change. You know, if a market Mm -hmm. changes, you have to change with it. But I think, you know, if you hang on to something, hang on to a business when the market's changing, you know, and you don't change with it, then I think that's a challenge. So 13 years, and we, we shut down the business last year and moved on, you know, took the bits that we wanted to work on individually. You know, that was the best. Was it difficult? Was it a difficult decision to, to make? Yeah, I think so. I think on the one hand, if you go into business with somebody else, it's like a marriage, right? You know, it is, you see that person every day. And, you know, you often spend more time with them than you do with your spouse, right? So I think that is difficult because you are ingrained with, you know, everyday behaviors that you're used to. And it's difficult to pull yourself out of that. And then there's also the difficulty of, you know, you've been doing this business for 12, 13 years. You know, what do you do next? I think that's a challenge, right? You've got to step outside your comfort zone and reinvent yourself. Let's talk about that a little bit because that is uh that is so so interesting to me and, and I think it's so important. How when were you when did you start thinking about that transition? Right. So I think there probably was one point when it really started to come together and that was I was out in India at the time and we well I was setting up an office in the the south of India. There's a beautiful state called Kerala 
which is really, it's probably the one of the most IT advanced states in India. So we were setting up a back office there of guys we were recruiting to do our research. So I was out there recruiting a dozen of these local graduates. And I think at the time, my son was about two years old. And I remember it being my birthday. And I was there in the hotel room trying to phone home. And I was feeling sick at the time because I was completely fatigued and wiped out by all the travel and the work. And I just couldn't get through to my family. And I thought, well, you know, what's going on here? You know, I set this business up to create a lifestyle that I wanted, but I'm here on the day that I want to be with my family. But, you know, on the face of it, I was a quote unquote success. You know, we had 35 employees. We, you know, we had a big business. We had clients in 65 countries. So there was a real sort of uneasiness that this wasn't matching up. You know, on the one hand, you had this success, but internally it didn't feel right. You know, it wasn't creating the, you know, what I said at the beginning, the lifestyle and the freedoms that you set out to create. So I think it started then, you know, definitely the seed was sown. So let's talk about starting uh, location independence, because at the transition, were you thinking location independence or were you just thinking about transitioning out of uh, the mobile youth research uh, service? What what were your thoughts then? So I think it was a gradual process of unraveling. So you start asking questions like, well, what if we don't need uh, that extra office? What? Okay, right. So if you don't need that extra office, then you don't need that office manager and so on. There's a gradual, you know, going down that thought process. And, you know, it takes you to a point where you think, well, what would be the best setup here for me personally? And, you know, as as a business owner, you've got to think that you've got to step outside of the business and get that perspective. And at some point you're thinking, well, you know, this isn't the best setup for me. This isn't why I started it. So what can I do to change it? So, you know, we close down the extra offices. And I think then you start asking questions. Well, do I need those extra clients? And, you know, you sort of go back to your 80-20. So you look at the clients that are the most profitable. And start moving away in, and releasing the clients that, you know, are the real ball breakers, the ones that cost the time and the money. So I think you start refining the business and then you get it to a point where you start thinking, well, OK, we're getting more and more profitable. You know, we're reducing our overheads. But what else can we do? And then you start thinking, well, maybe we can close down the office. You know, we spend all our time traveling to clients all over the world. We don't need that office there. And so on. So I don't think it was a process where I started out thinking, yeah, I want to live and work anywhere in the world, such as location independence. It was a process where it just sort of arrived at that. This was the best situation. I think you get it to a point where you say, well, okay, well, we don't have an office. I don't need to live here, right? You can live anywhere. So as long as you've got access to the internet, you can up and leave and choose where you want to live. So I think it creates opportunities as a part of that thought process. So so you actually shut that business down completely? We took away uh, about a yeah. year ago? Yeah, that's right. So we took away parts of it that we wanted to work on. So mm-hmm. I took away the research part of the business which mm-hmm. worked for me. So you know, you can create 
information products and sell them online. And, you know, I still had the network, the contacts for consultancy. So that was fine, but I didn't need the shell, the overhead that went with it. Okay. So uh, making that transition, w was anybody trying to talk you out of it? Did you actually bring it up to friends, family, or, you know, did did people think you were crazy that uh, that you were kind of walking away from a business and, and starting a completely different lifestyle that is really – uh, one of the scariest things for 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 people, you know, to be location independent and just to 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 not to live the norm, so to speak. Yeah, I think everybody was trying to talk me out of it, and I think that that's the challenge because they have a, a vision of what you are, and you have a, a vision of who you are, and you've based a lot of your identity around that sort of traditional view of success. So. You know, having a big company, having money, having cars, etc. And that is how a lot of people relate to you. So to then want to change that is really a challenge because you're changing how people see you. And, and people don't like change naturally. So you have to really think about what you're doing. And I think a lot of people they don't necessarily talk you out of it, but they don't support you in what you want to do in the way you think they should. So I think it's a lonely time making that change. But ultimately, it's one that's for the best. You know, you have to think about what makes you happy. You know, and if a business isn't making you happy, then you have to make change. And that's tough. So let's talk about some of the the challenges because even on your website um barefootjournal.com yeah. you talk about you know you have a post uh, you know that the scariest decision mm -hmm. and you know you talk about i don't know if there was that post or another post but but it's really not a permanent vacation and 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 you don't even want people to think that that being location independent is is uh, is a permanent vacation it's actually a challenging life but it's it's you know, it, it, it's worth it. So, but let's talk about some of the challenges that you are facing, um, you know, on a regular basis or, or, or you had to face, especially in the beginning. Yeah. So I think what I thought would be the challenge wasn't the challenge. So I thought, well, if I'm going to strike out on my own, I'm going to, you know, close down the office, then clients are going to see me differently. You know, they're going to start viewing you as the guy that works from home or the guy that works from a hotel room or so on. But that didn't change anything. I think these days that's perfectly acceptable. And in many ways, if you're consulting to clients, they actually prefer it that you don't have this sort of overhead that goes with, you know, a big company and office. They can deal with you directly. So that worked out fine. But what has been a real challenge is really the whole life on the road aspect of being location independent so when you have a company you get up at you know in the morning you drive to work in your comfortable car you go to the office and everything's a routine and then you come home etc etc but when you change that you sort of peel away the layers of comfort and routine you know you're a bit more exposed you're a bit more vulnerable to your environment so i think that's the challenge you know the way I put it is that the highs are higher and the lows are lower. 
you know, so this is the kind of lifestyle that really makes you think about what is important in your life and what makes you happy. And I don't think everybody wants to think about those things, right? They just want to sort of go into a business and just work really hard, you know, and sell their business for 10 million or whatever. But, you know, does that make them happy? Could they do it another way? So I think the challenges are those kind of questions that you're asking yourself and also questions people ask of you. So you've got to be prepared. You've got to want to, you know, live the examined life. And that's what it does for you. So tell me one of those lows that you, you mentioned the highs are greater and the lows are lower than than you know in a, a normal so 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 called normal life lifestyle what what was what was a low for you uh i think there are a lot of lows living a location independent lifestyle and just recently we moved to okinawa which is an island right out in the middle of the east china sea and we'd moved from another island off the coast of Africa in the Canary Islands. It's a beautiful island called Lanzarote. So we're arriving here, and I think the low point is when, you know, you haven't arranged your accommodation. You're there with sort of two weeks ahead of you, and that's all you can see. And you're tired, and you're jet-lagged, and you're hungry, because even just going to the shop, the store, you know, you have to go out and forage for food on a daily basis. So that that's very different from office life, which is very comfortable and routine. So I think you can hit a lows there. And much of the time, I would say 90% of the time, you're really low in that lifestyle is when you're tired and hungry. So it's when you get back into a routine that things start to improve. So I think people need to know that, you know, if you were to, like I did, you know, sell everything and travel the world, and run your business from a tropical island somewhere that your problems don't go away you know they follow you around the world i don't think it's a solution to your problems it's just a different way of living so what are you thinking when when you have a low like that what are you thinking what is your process to get through that and not wanting to go back to the comforts of of the status quo and yeah. every day being the same and and just being comfortable yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's what everybody needs to think about. For me, one way to deal with it is to write. You know, that's why I write the books and the blog is you need to remind yourself why you're doing this. And even to, you know, write down, whether it's in your diary or on your iPad or whatever, you know, why you're doing this. And one of the things I've discovered recently is also to write down under what conditions you're quit. So I think people go out and they, they travel, run these businesses online, and then they quit because maybe they just had a low, you know, that they were tired and jet lagged and just wanted to throw in the towel. But I think you have to go back to your touchstone and look at the reasons why you're doing this. So, you know, the reasons why we're doing this, more time for the family, you know, education for the the kids, you know, see the world, etc. You know, really see life as it is. And you know, also write down, well, why would we quit this lifestyle? Well, you know, if somebody got sick or, you know, that kind of thing, or, you know, we really just didn't enjoy it anymore or the education for the kids wasn't good and so on. So I think if you were to write that down, it helps you remember because when you're not surrounded by familiarity and routine, sometimes it's difficult to, uh, you know, keep these things, make yourself aware of these things, you know, and the everyday kind of gets to you.
So I think writing is a great way to deal with it. That's for me. Maybe there's other ways for other people to do with it, but you know, it's a great way to clarify your thoughts. Yeah, so I, I really like that because uh, you're kind of processing it, you know, through writing, and you know, other people might meditate or whatever it is that they need to do to process it. But uh, if we talk about characteristics for somebody to make it as a location independent entre- entrepreneur, uh, you know, one of them is to be able to deal with the lows. Can you think of maybe one or two others that you think are really, really key for somebody yeah. to think about before they set out to to try this lifestyle? Hmm, that's a good question. I think that they've got to be curious. They've got to have this in their blood. And I think that starts early in their life, right? I mean, they had to be a traveler at sort of age four or five, the kind of person that explores boxes and cupboards and that kind of thing. Because if you don't have it in you, then it's going to be hard. If you don't feel this in your heart, then your head's going to get the better of you at some point. So I think that curiosity is probably one of the most important characteristics because that keeps you going. That keeps you moving forward and reminding yourself why you're doing this. You want to know. You want to go out and see the world for what it is. You want to experience things that you couldn't get living that sort of, you know, normal lifestyle. So that's really important. And I, I think that you said the point about, you know, experiencing the lows is a part of that is what we just talked about is to be the kind of person that can ask the right questions. You know, um, that the question may be, you know, is this right for me? You may have asked that question when you left your business. You need to ask that question again if you know this this travel lifestyle isn't working for you as well. So those are really important. And I, the last one I, I would say is somebody who doesn't live and die for the approval of other people, and that's tough because we're social animals, right? Now that's all about us as human nature. We we live for other people, so it's very difficult to go and do this if you have to get approval from everybody in your own mind or you need people to you know give you the thumbs up because you won't get that you need to be able to go and do this on your own and that's difficult of course you're very independent you just have to be very independent mentally i think so yeah i think people are more independent than they think they are it's just that when they are in the whirlwind of daily life then they don't really see their strengths because they're stuck into a routine. But when you get out there, you suddenly discover that you've got this confidence and independence you didn't think you had. It's almost like some people feel like uh, that we have to get permission from our environment to yeah. live yeah. Uh, you know, the life that they, they want us to lead. Uh, let's um let's talk about how you make money now. I mean, uh, you you know, it sounds like that you're doing some of the consulting uh, still, yeah. Uh, go, yeah. So yeah, go ahead. I just want to, you know, get a sense of, uh, you know, how you make money now uh, and how how that how that works for you. Right. So there's four areas I make money at the moment, which are one being selling information products. So that would be the research business previously. So selling research products to could be anybody from a telecoms business to an agency interested in telecoms or uh, consumer behavior 
So to package those and sell those easily online, that's one way, uh, one sort of one stream in the money at the moment. The second way is books. So I publish and sell on Amazon more really as a marketing tool than everything else, because I think if you've got an upsell on your books, it's a great business model because people buy your books, then they come and they you know either buy information products or they ask you for you know premium services that could be to come and speak at a conference or to do consultancy for them but you know that book is a great way of pre-qualifying your leads the third way is consultancy but generally I like to keep consultancy as you know at a minimum I don't sort of advertise it I don't go out looking for it I only usually do it for clients that I've worked with in the past really because they're you know good friends of mine um, the fourth way I think is fundamental is, is real estate. So, you know, when the business was really good back in the, the mobile youth days, rather than splurge all that money on the good things in life, I invested that in real estate and that has paid off. So I think that passive income is a really key composite of anybody's long term independence because that will grow and grow in the background. You don't need to keep hawking that business. So. To answer your question, those are the four areas. I think you have to have multiple income streams really to be independent because all of these businesses have their own life cycle. And to just have one, not only is a risk, but also sometimes things take their own time. You know, you have to step back and let things grow. Like with real estate, for example, you just have to let that happen and then go and focus on something else. So, uh, yeah, so I mean, maybe... The curiosity and the ability to deal with lows and not wanting the approval of other people, you know, the willingness to 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 work on multiple income stream. I I would add that as a strong fourth to the in terms of the characteristics if somebody's going to succeed as a as a location independent entrepreneur. Um, let's talk about the the book that you wrote, uh, "Fire Your Boss, Sell Your Car, Travel the World." We want people to read the book, and it's available on Amazon. Uh, but is there one thing that uh, that you could maybe, you know, that you could bring up from the book for people that are interested in becoming a location independent entrepreneur? Yeah, sure. So I remember the idea to write this book was I was sitting on the the beach in Fiji on the coral coast with a laptop and I was watching my son snorkeling at the time and thinking yeah this is this is it this is the life you know and this was the life I dreamed about long long ago when I set up the business but the irony was that I thought to get to that lifestyle of living on a tropical island or choosing where you want to live in the world or living the lifestyle you want meant growing a a 10 million dollar business and selling it But I had got there without going through that. I'd shortcutted the process. I think that's one of the key takeaways from this book is you can live the millionaire lifestyle without actually being one. You can have that lifestyle that everybody dreams about if you set up your business in the right way, which is the location independent business and take advantage of arbitrage, which is effectively earn your money in an expensive company, sorry, expensive country and live in a cheap one. So for example, if you had a business selling to people in New York, but you lived in Spain, then you're taking advantage of arbitrage. 
because you could effectively double, triple, quadruple your income by just moving to a place where the cost of living was less. So I think that's really important is that there's an option here because growing your business to 10 million is something that people chase, but it's something down the line. It's never given. It's never guaranteed, right? But what you can guarantee right now is to make those changes and live that lifestyle. So you're not taking a huge gamble on something that may or may not pay off in the future. So in short, the answer is you can live that lifestyle, the dream lifestyle, the millionaire lifestyle without actually being one. How do you decide where to live? Um, you know, right now you're in Okinawa. Uh, you were in Africa uh, before on a, a volcanic island. Uh, how do you decide on where you will live? And, and how, do you, how long do you stay? What, what does, how do you determine that? Yeah, that's a good question because that's often a question we need to ask ourselves as well. So we were 18 months on the island of Lanzarote, which is actually part of Spain, but it's off Africa. So it has all the advantage of being part of Spain, but geographically and in terms of weather, it's African. So how do we decide where to live? We basically look for somewhere which in our heart feels right. It's somewhere that would be a great place to grow a young family. It's going to be a great experience. The lifestyle is good. The weather is good. Outdoor living. Again, arbitrage that we talked about. And at the same time, it has the infrastructure that you need to run a business there. So it has to have the internet. It has to have easy access for you know, travel and so on. So you know, there's a number of criteria, and that's what I talk about in this book. So I list them out and, and you know, rank different places according to these criteria. Everybody's going to be different. But ultimately, you've got to decide based on where you think is right for your family or you individually or where to live. But, you know, I think having the data to hand is really important because it can qualify. So the second part of the question, how long do you stay? Well, I know some people who are location independent will do the 50 countries and 50 weeks type thing, but that's not us. You know, we like to stay, immerse ourselves in the culture, get to, you know, make friends with the locals, put my son in school, that kind of thing. I think that's the best way of living for us. So to stay long term, I think is the, the you know, it maximizes the opportunity and the experience that you can get from being location independent. So what's what's next for you? What, are you working on something now? Uh, what what are your goals uh, at this point? I'm not asking you know in the next ten years because that's right. so far in advance. But let's say in the next twelve months, right. what what are you working on now? So we're only two months into our time here in Okinawa, so we plan to stay here for you know the long term. Let's see how that goes. In terms of business, you know, besides the businesses that I've just talked to you about, we're setting up a a, a business for effectively location independent entrepreneurs and digital nomads as they're called to help people offshore their business so for example if you were to go and live somewhere else and take your business with you you know there may be jurisdictions you could set up your business that may be less bureaucratic than the ones that you're in um, you know may have trading advantages for you so that's a real growth area at the moment and that's really driven by people coming to me and saying, look, okay, I'm doing this. I'm moving to Asia. 
you know, where should I set up my business? Because, you know, I don't necessarily have to set up my business in Singapore or in Indonesia or Thailand. Where do I set it up? So there's a real information gap at the moment. And that business that we're setting up at the moment is really to, you know, help those people, really point them in the right direction. Because I think there's a lot more people now living this lifestyle. So they're starting to look around for information. And that's what we aim to provide because you know my background is obviously research and information so hopefully i can provide them with some decent products yeah that sounds that sounds good and and i it is definitely a growing trend and 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 uh, i definitely see a lot of opportunities there as well well i i really appreciate you coming on success harbor today graham uh, i appreciate you sharing your story and giving us insight into your your own version of location independence um and uh, it's, it's just really, really valuable information to hear from those that are actually living it. So how can people find out more about uh, some of the services that you provide or find out more about you? Where should they go? What, what website? Go to barefootjournal.com. You'll find everything there. There's a free guide that you can download if you just want to get started. Start thinking about what's possible. Ask some questions. Take it from there. So, everybody, check out barefootjournal.com. And, Graham, again, thank you very much. And hopefully maybe you can come back a year from now and give us an update on how everything is going. That would be fantastic, George. Thank you for your time. Thank you, and uh, be safe out there. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Bye.